0: All right. This ritual that I do every day as a person who's in pursuit of the dollar dollar bill cuz it is all about the money. And so I'm going to get myself together. Let me make sure I got my headphones so I can play my music. This is my mantra right here. This is what I'm talking about. All right, let me get that going. All right. My playlist ain't working right now so let me see if i can okay there we go I hear. It. all right let me get my mind together all right it's about the dollar dollar bill baby come on now come with it all right now yeah 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 all right let me see what we got we gotta hunt we got a sacrifice all right baby. honey 200 300 all money lots and lots of money uh. Don't be asking me why. That's what I'm talking about. I wanna be rich. Come on, baby. Money. Money, that's what it's all about. About the dollar, dollar, bill. Come on. Living for the money. Extra. All right, let's see how much I got in this account today. All right, I can't help my mama. No, I, mama, you got too much money. All right. Okay, all right. I got my yacht. All right, I got my deer, deer tractor. All right, that's what we're gonna do. Yes. All right. Okay, I, I know my next song coming on, For the Love of Money. Oh yeah, baby, it's my the <laughs> For the love of money. Uh, 500. Okay. 20, 40, 60. Oh, big face, hundreds. Went to the mall. Bought everything that I wanted. All right now. Okay, yes. They don't know. But I got, I, got plenty plenty money. Money. I got plenty of money. All right, all right. The dollar, dollar bill. Now, um, as you all saw in that um, brief illustration, and for those of you all who are members here in Stephen Street, you all know the sermon series that Pastor Scott has been preaching on with counterculture. And today, um, we want to deal with a very important subject that I believe everybody in here can relate to and that's dealing with wealth, um dealing with possessions. But I want everybody to understand this that as we find ourselves in a relationship with God, God wants to deal with us on account and in accordance to our heart. God is concerned about the heart. Watch this now I know it's gonna come as a surprise to some of y'all. It's a curveball, so you might want to duck your head. God Could care less about our money. God doesn't need our money. What God is concerned about is the heart. And when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, that is what Jesus is dealing with. As you read this discourse, Jesus wants the people to understand that if you are going to be one of my disciples, if you are going to be a citizen In my kingdom, your heart has to be right. And Jesus began to talk on a number of different subjects where he wanted the people to understand that in my kingdom, the values, the principles is completely different than the world and the culture that you live in. He talked about subjects as it relates to anger and how those of us who are citizens in the kingdom of God should deal with things on account of our anger. He talked about um, um, how we should deal with things as it relates to retaliating. He talked about how we are to be different when it comes to our enemy, that we don't seek to retaliate against our enemy. But Jesus said you are to love and pray for your enemy and those who despitefully use you. He challenged the people to come up to a level that many of them, that all of them practically had never been to. And he was able to do this because Jesus is the king in his kingdom that his father gave to him. It was Pilate when Jesus stood before him. Pilate said, are you a king? Jesus said, did somebody tell you that or are you saying that? And then Jesus said something that was just so powerful, you all. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, then my people would come and fight for me and get me. He said, but my kingdom is not of this world, implying and letting the people know that the origin of this kingdom that I'm talking to you all about. And when you look at his public ministry, it is spiritually focused and spiritually based. Jesus said... To Nicodemus, a religious leader, on one occasion. He said, except a person is born again, they cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus scratched his head and he was kind of confused. And Nicodemus said something that we know is biologically impossible. He said, now, can a person go back in their mother's womb? I can see Jesus looking at him saying, boy, you is crazy. What is wrong with you? That is biologically impossible. But Jesus came speaking spiritual and kingdom principles that the people could not really understand. This is why he had to break it down in parables. And when you look at his ministry, you see that at the center of his ministry, Jesus was focused about the kingdom. The Bible says that when he started his earthly ministry, he came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Look at all the parables that he taught when he said the kingdom of heaven can be compared to the kingdom of heaven is like, because he wanted the people to understand that if you are going to be one of my disciples, it has to be about the kingdom. And that is what Jesus helps us understand in this passage of Scripture today that is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, as we read our focus text. Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus says… also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And Jesus closes off this section on this subject by saying, no one can serve Two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, somebody say you cannot, you cannot serve God and money. Amen, amen, and amen. I love when we look at the ministry of Jesus, how he wanted everybody to understand. He wanted them to know that when he spoke, he was crystal clear about what the expectations are if a person is going to be a citizen inside his kingdom. And we know, according to the biblical narrative, as we just said, Jesus said, there's only one way you're going to get into this kingdom. You have to be born again. And the question becomes, and we have to make sure in our own personal life and when we're sharing the gospel with others, we got to make sure we don't miss a beat and we help people understand why there is a need for a spiritual rebirth. There's a need, my brothers and sisters, for a spiritual rebirth because the Bible teaches for all have sinned and falling short of the glory of God. For there is none righteous, no, not one. So there are no big eyes and little U's. We all stand on the same plateau in the presence of a holy and righteous God who says, I can't be in relationship with you because of your sins. But God says, I've made a way for everybody. Regardless of your socioeconomic status, regardless of your gender, regardless of your educational background, God says, i made a way through my son Jesus where everybody has an opportunity to become citizens in the kingdom. And Romans 10 and 9 says it best, you all, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him, who Jesus, from the dead, that you shall be Once that happens, God does something instantaneously in the spiritual realm. Watch this, you all. Your spirit, which was once dead, has now been quickened or rejuvenated or regenerated, and now you and I have been made alive to the things of God. God has changed our standing. That deals with the theological doctrine of justification where God now says, when I look at you, I don't see you and everything you have done, I see the blood, come on, help me somebody, of my son Jesus that is sprinkled on your life. And as a result of the blood, God says, just like in the old covenant, just like in Egypt when I told my people it's time to eat and run and tail it out of here. But before you go, God says there's something you need to know. He said, listen, here's some instructions you need to follow. You need to get a lamb. You get that lamb. You slaughter that lamb. God says, get that blood. And you put that blood on the doorpost. And he said that on account of that blood and every house where I see the blood, I will pass over. My brothers and sisters, it is the gospel, the good news, the message that on account of what Jesus did at Calvary Cross that God says, I will pass over the judgment that I render to you on account of what my son has done. So once we become citizens inside the kingdom of God, Jesus said, now you got to spend the rest of your life understanding and coming to the grips and the reality of how I want you to live your life. Because the way we are supposed to live is supposed to be different than the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the salt. Come on, somebody, of the earth. But if the salt has lost its flavor, wherewith is it good for? It's not good for anything but to be cast out and trampled under the feet of men. But God thinks so much of us that he says, I'm going to use you. But he says, I want you to understand that as you work out this thing called sanctification, that simply means looking more like Jesus in your fault, your attitude, and your behavior, God says you're going to have a cultural clash because the way I want you to live is different than the way the culture wants you to live. And so I want us to pull this slide up. Dr. Miles Monroe, Dr. Miles Monroe, the late Dr. Miles Monroe, here's what he said, you all, in reference to a kingdom. I'm telling you right now, my life and the ministry that God has given me was revolutionized when I came into the true understanding of what it means and what Jesus means as he talked about the kingdom. Look at what Dr. Miles Moreau said in his book on kingdom principles, preparing for kingdom experience and expansion. He said, A kingdom is the sovereign rulership and governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his will, his intent, and his purpose, manifesting a culture and society reflecting the king's nature. Values and morals. A kingdom is the governing impact of a king's will over a territory or domain, his influence over a people and a government led by a king. In short, when we talk about this kingdom that Jesus has, we have to understand that what the king says goes. Jesus could and I, I'm not trying to be insensitive you all. I'm just trying to keep it real. Somebody say keep it real. keep it real. Jesus could care less about what we think about how we feel about the subjects in the scriptures that he has already spoken on. Because what he has sell, said is already sealed. Jesus said you got to fall in online. It's not no democracy. Who's going to overthrow the King of Kings? the Lord of lords. Come on, somebody. You got to be crazy like Satan was crazy. If you think that you can overthrow the king of kings, come on, the great I am, that I am, I'm talking about the one who we read about in John's gospel, where when John… Let me tell you something. John started talking, and I start grunting like I'm sitting at the table, gnawing on a chicken bone. John says, in the beginning was the Word. Come on, John. You better preach, brother. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man, and that light shined in the darkness but the darkness could not comprehend it, and as John is working his way down theologically, John said, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about Jesus. This same Jesus in this passage of Scripture in Matthew, who starts out by telling the people, there are two types of treasures. If we can put Matthew 6 and 19 up, Jesus said, there's two types of treasures that you can make the center of your heart and your influence and your pursuit. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Literally in the Greek, and we can't see this in the English, but in the Greek, there's a word play going on because when Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves, he's lit, treasures, he's literally saying, stop storing, stop treasuring up treasures. And that's what a lot of people do in our culture today, we place so much emphasis on things that have temporary meaning that's here today and gone tomorrow. Now, I don't know about you all, but I think about some of the things that I have had over the years, and I find myself saying, "Man, I wonder what happened to my Nintendo." I used to love playing Super Mario, brother. Ding 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 ding, oh, but then when you got to the second level on Super Mario Brother, it got real good. Because that bass line, for those of y'all who like bass, that bass line dropped, Brother Lee Bailey. And that thing said, Mm-me. Oh boy, It got some Mm-me. hill. Mm-me. I'm telling y'all, I would be in my Nintendo like this, jamming. My mama walk in the room and say, boy, what is wrong with you? I'm like, mama, they jamming on the video game. I can't even tell you where my Nintendo is right now today. I can't tell you what happened to the 150 or 175 pair of Jordans, dollar Jordans that I bought when I was in high school. Y'all know how it is when you was in high school. I don't know about you all, but I'm from Tampa, Florida. And everybody wanted the J's. That's what we call them. The J's. Can I get a Amen, Brother Jason McNeil? You, if you ain't have the J's, you ain't have nothing. And I remember I used to work at this um, restaurant washing dishes. And boy, I got my first paycheck, and the only thing I was worrying about was getting a footlocker so I can get the J's. And I got up to that counter. You know, I tried on the J's, I was like, boy, the them black and red? got the hologram on the side. I was like, boy, they look fresh. Man, I got to that counter, that lady told me that price. I was like, ma'am, I didn't ask you for your social security number. Because <laughs> when she gave me that price, I thought she gave me her social security number. That woman told me it was like $150, $175. I looked, I said, dang, that's my whole paycheck. Man, I put them Jordans on, and I went to school, and you always could tell the kid in the school who, you know, got some brand new shoes. Because, Brother Garrett, people would come up to me and I'd be like, back up now, nah, bro. Hey, sir, don't touch the jays. Somebody step on your shoe, you like, okay. <laughs> don't touch it. I can't tell you where those Jordans are now. And many of you all can say the same thing things that you have loved, appreciated. We don't even know where many of these things are today. But what Jesus is saying in this passage of Scripture, what He's drawing our attention to, He's saying, don't let your heart be driven and you make wealth and possessions the priority. Jesus said, listen, let me show you why putting your treasures and storing them down here on earth is a bad investment. Jesus said it's a bad investment because it's temporal and you got to worry about those things being destroyed or stolen. In the ancient world, in, in antiquity, What the people or their wealth was founded on three things. It pertained to their clothing, apparel. It pertained to their food source and metal and jewelry. And Jesus wanted them to know, look, do you not know when it comes to your clothes, you got to worry about moth or larvae, little caterpillars that will literally eat through your clothes. Jesus said, do you not know when it comes to your food source, you got to worry about vermins and rabbits and different little things that will eat up your food source. He said, did you not know when it comes to the things that are precious to you that you love and treasure up, you got to worry about somebody taking or stealing those things. Jesus said, that's a bad investment. But then he turned around and said, let me introduce you to what a good investment is. Jesus said, a good investment is when you store up treasure and you place it in heaven. What does it mean to store up treasure in heaven? Why is it so secure? Because ain't nobody breaking in to heaven gates to mess with God. You better put some respect on His name. And so when we talk about the the, the ways that we can treasure up treasure, here are some things that I wanna share with you. Four things one, sharing the gospel. When you take the time to share the message of the gospel with people who are disconnected from God, far away from God, who are not believers, who are not citizens in the kingdom of God, do you understand that you are laying up treasures in heaven? For Jesus himself said, there is more joy in heaven over one person who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost when we open up up our mouth and share the gospel with our friends that's in elementary school, that's in middle school, that's in high school, that's in college. When we share the gospel with people, we are storing up treasures in heaven because God places significant value on the life of a soul. Another treasure that we are able to store up in heaven is when we take the time to share our life with others. This deals specifically with discipleship. When we take the time to come alongside somebody in what I like to call HD, in high definition, and we take the time to pour our lives into their lives so that they can see us raw and uncut, So that they can see what it looks like to be a husband, uh, what it looks like to be a man of God, a woman of God. When we pour into them and help disciple them, we're storing up treasures in heaven. Because watch this, you all, then they're able to turn around and to continue to fulfill the great commission as they make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's how we are storing up treasure in heaven. When we share our lives with others, or oh, I said, when no, we um, share our lives, when we share our resources with others, we are storing up treasure in heaven. Um, the scripture says that if we have the world goods and we see our brothers and sisters in need and we don't move to meet that need, how can we say that the love of God is in us? God has blessed you. He has blessed me with resources where we are able to minister and be a blessing to other people who are in need. And when we do that, we're storing up treasure in heaven. Because watch this, my brothers and sisters. When we look at the scriptures, please understand that money, in and of itself, money is not a bad thing. And if you think money Is a bad thing. Then you meet me after service and give me some of yours. Okay? (laughs) Can I get a dollar? It's not a bad thing, it's our relationship to money. Listen what the Word of the Lord says in Hebrews 13 and 5. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. That's the problem when we make money our God. That's the problem when we make possessions our pursuit to happiness. You never can have enough. But somewhere I read, help me, Holy Spirit, in John chapter 7, verse 37, the Bible says he stood up at the last day of the feast and Jesus shouted out and said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me out of, the, out of his, as the scripture says, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And the Bible says they did not know as he was speaking that he was talking about the Holy Spirit. The only thing that can quench that thirst, that deep longing and desire in a person's heart as they are searching for something is the man who is the thirst quencher. And that's Jesus. So it's our association with money. First Timothy 6 and 10, a very popular passage of Scripture says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Why? Because they made it all about money and possessions. There are two stories in the Bible, and to my men up in the um, um, up top, y'all don't have to worry about putting this on the screen. Thank y'all so much. Y'all have been awesome. Two stories in the Bible that I believe are awesome cross references to this point that Jesus is making about our disposition and where our heart is as it relates to who are we going to choose god or money one of them is the passage of scripture that pertains to the story of what we commonly know as the rich young ruler you know the story bible says a man ran up to Jesus one day knelt down on his knees and said good teacher good master g w o d good what can I do? What must I do to have eternal life? And y'all know Jesus is just so smooth. Jesus was like, listen, you already know what you need to do. And Jesus told him, he said, listen, I done did all of that. I done went to Iwana. I done go on a vacation Bible school. I done did everything you said. And the Bible says Jesus looking at him, loved him and said, thou lackest one thing. There's one thing that you Are missing, Jesus said. Take all your possessions. What? I can almost see. (laughs) Y'all remember um, Scooby Doo? (laughs) And he will Shaggy, Scooby Doo, -doo." I can almost see him saying. He said, "Take all your possessions. Take the Maybach. Take the sixty-five-inch flat-screen Samsung. Take the man cave, not the man cave. Take everything that you have. Liquidate all your assets." And Jesus said, "You." go and sell everything, 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 and you give it to the poor. And Jesus saying, stop there, you all. Jesus said, and after you've done that, he said, then you will have treasures in heaven. Then he said, come and follow me. The Bible says the man dropped his head and went away greatly disturbed, for he had great possessions. See, for this man, he had already made up in his mind. That wealth was his God, that wealth was the idol that sat on the throne of his heart. And he was not willing. Listen, if Jesus tells you to get rid of something and that he's gonna give you treasure in heaven, there's no reason to even think about that. But for this man, he was not willing to make that type of sacrifice. And you're gonna come across people every day in your own personal life who are not going to be willing to make that type of sacrifice. Listen to me, my brothers and sisters. Living as a citizen in the kingdom of God is not an easy task, but by the mercies of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God will help you get through. Greater is He that is within you than he that is in the world. You got to believe it, and you got to walk within it. And then we see a contrast Between this man who said, I grew up in the church. I did everything right. And then we turn over there and we read about a man named Zacchaeus. The Bible says that he was very rich. Jesus came passing through the town. Zacchaeus, the Bible says, was a man who was short of stature, but he didn't allow any limitations to prevent him from finding out what's going on. And who is this man, Jesus? The brother climbed up a sycamore tree. Now, that's my type of brother right there. To get a glimpse at Jesus. Bible says Jesus went right where he was because that's the type of God we serve. Sometimes he'll meet you right where you are. I don't care what tree you are under in life. I don't care what damage has been done. He will meet you right where you are. Jesus came to Zacchaeus and he said, come down Zacchaeus because I'm gonna chill out at your house. The next scene shifts and the Bible says Zacchaeus sitting down but before the scene the scene shifts the narrator includes a very interesting detail he said the people begin to murmur and they said look at this man he eats with sinners then the sheen, the scene shifts to zacchaeus the bible says watch this one man and the rich young ruler he was called Jesus challenged him. He called him to choose and to make a decision. Zacchaeus was not prompted or challenged by Jesus to make any decision. On his own, he stood up. Come on, somebody. Zacchaeus said, Lord, Master, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if there's anybody in this community and abroad who I have wronged, I restore it fourfold. Now that's a brother talking like he done, the God doesn't got a hold of his heart. He has kingdom perspective. And Jesus said, My Lord, Jesus said, salvation has come to this house today because he too is a son of Abraham. Two different men responded two different ways. They both was wealthy and had possessions. So again, when Jesus is talking in the text about possessions and where our heart is, he just wants us to understand you got to make sure you make the main thing, the main thing. I ask you this morning before we close, where is your heart? Pastor Scott said, I'm going to take this from you, Pastor Scott. He said it's during the first service towards the end. Pastor Scott said, you can tell where a person's heart is based upon how they spend their money. Come on, somebody, especially for those who claim to be citizens in the kingdom of God. How much do you give to the work of the Lord for the kingdom of God? Or is it all about you fulfilling your own lust and your own desires. Listen, you all, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. I told, listen, I'm in the process and y'all, I'm so happy, I don't know what to do with myself. I told my wife, I said, sweetie, in 2022, I will, through the help of the Lord, build a man cave fit for a king. And she said, boy, you crazy. I said, babe, I'm just trying to tell you right now. Y'all should see me, y'all. I already got the spot. It's a storage room. I told my wife, I said, so, babe, here's what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to go to Home Depot. I already picked out the shed. It's called Tough. I'm going to get the Tough Shed, and I'm going to buy the Tough Shed. We're going to put it in the backyard. I'm going to take everything out of the storage. I'm going to put it in this Tough Shed, and then our next door neighbor is a contractor. I said, baby, I'm going to have it set to the side. I said, baby, it's going to be a man cave. A place for me <laughs> to steal away from you and them seven kids. <laughs> I told Pastor Scott last night, I said, I'm going to get. So I'm going to go Batman on them. I'm going to get some technology where the only way you can get in that room, you have to put your, it's going to be my handprint. You put it, hello, Mr. Foster, how are you doing? You must, you can enter. My wife's going to try to put her hand there. Mr. Foster has not, Mr. Foster has not authorized you to enter. I'll probably get put in the headlock real quick. But the point that I'm making, as I'm planning about the things and how my man cave is going to look, I got to keep things in perspective. My wife and I as believers, we believe in supporting the work of the Lord. We believe in sharing the gospel. We believe in sharing our resources. At no point in time should there ever come a question of me trying to figure out, okay, do I get the flat screen TV? Or do I give to the Lord? If I ever get to that point, then I have taken the main thing and put it in the back seat, and I've taken the possessions and put them in the front seat. And God says, no, that is not what you are supposed to do. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Come on, my brothers and sisters, listen, do you understand the king that you serve? Do you not understand that if God can close the lilies in the field, you don't think he can take care of you? Do you not understand that the birds who are in the field and all the other animals who eat, they don't toil and worry about that stuff. You know why? Because if his eye is on the sparrow, baby, you know his eye is on you. You got to start seeing yourself like God sees you as an asset To help advance his kingdom. And we have to stop allowing the things of the world to cause us to give in. Because every time that happens, you all, you know what Satan does? He says, I got him. I'm going to say this and I'm done, you all. Please understand this. The enemy has a Ph.D. in in divisiveness. He's insidious. He knows what your kryptonite is. Come on, you all. Everybody know about Superman? Any Superman comic book or movie you saw, everybody knows that the weaknesses of Superman is one, he can't see through lead. Two, and most importantly, if you slap some kryptonite on that brother, it renders him and immobilizes him. Y'all saw how Ben Affleck beat him up in Batman versus Superman. took him out. I was like, no, this can't be happening to the man who faster than a locomotive. Come on, Superman, what's wrong with you? But that kryptonite could do new with it. The enemy knows what your kryptonite is. This is why you got to be careful what you expose yourself to you got to be careful what you watch. Because when you least expect it, if you're not careful, you will watch something that will strike something or stroke something within your sinful heart that will serve as the catalyst that calls you to sin. For the Scripture says, let no man say when they are tempted that they are tempted by God. For God cannot tempt any person with evil, neither he tempt any man. But every person is tempted when they are led away of their own lust and entice. My encouragement to us, my brothers and sisters, as Jesus works his way through this text, and I didn't even get to the eye and the lamp of the body, but when he gets to the very end, Jesus said, you got to make a choice because you can't serve two masters. There's no way you can do it because your allegiance and your loyalty is going to be to one. Jesus said you can't serve God and you can't serve money. I don't know about you all, but I issue to all of us today as citizens in the kingdom of God, for those who are the Joshua challenge, the same challenge that Joshua issued to his generation, choose this day. Not tomorrow, not Saturday, not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, again. oh, no, 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 no. Choose right now. Who are you going to serve? But I know as for the foster household, we will serve the Lord. And when I, because I'm not a perfect man, and the believers of Outer Love Ministries will not have no problem telling you all that. Don't tell them everything, you all. But I'm not a perfect man. And I know one day my time is going to be up, and I'm going to have to leave this earth. But when I leave, I want to be able to know that I left a life behind that was centered on the gospel, and I lived a life where I sought first the kingdom of God. I thought about this the other day when I thought about my children. I said, what is the greatest thing that I can leave behind for my children? I hear people always talking about leave a legacy and finances and stuff. And for me, I said, money, they're gon', going to they have that. But the greatest thing that I can leave behind for Saniah, for Mariah, for KJ, for Josiah, for Grace, for Nehemiah, and for Ezra, is that they know unequivocally that they had a father who loved the Lord God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength, with all his might, that they know they didn't have a father who was perfect, but they know they had a father who served God and who was sold out not to serve money or this world, but to serve God. That's the greatest legacy that I can leave my children. What about you? Let us bow our heads. And God bless you. Let's respond in prayer.